Hey, you're listening to Lutheranism 101 Worship. I'm Adam. And I'm Matt. And today we're going to be going through chapter 2, God Called His New Testament People. Right, so last episode we were talking about the types of worship that God lays out in the Old Testament. And now in this chapter, we're now moving into uh, how Jesus fulfills Old Testament worship and uh, replaces it in a way. Like, he doesn't uh, nullify it or make the Old Testament um, obsolete. He fulfills all the promises that God gave to his people. Right. And it's important because we have a tendency to want to say the Old Testament is gone. Mm -hmm. It didn't have anything profitable. But really, the, the truth, and read the scriptures for yourself... The temple and the tabernacle is all about the presence of God in space and time. Like there is a place on earth where God descends to us, calls us to himself. Mm-hmm. While every other God is hidden and you have to find a way to them, our God comes to us. He always has. And uh, even more clearly when Jesus Christ, the son of God, is yeah. walking on the earth, he now is functioning as <clears throat> The temple, the tabernacle, which is the place, physical place in time and space of God's presence. It's remarkable. So once you understand that, it's ridiculous to act like, oh, the Old Testament has nothing to say. No, it's happening in the Old Testament, and those are shadows. It's happening clearer now in Jesus Christ, who's uh, fulfilling the role of the temple in the Old Testament, which is God with his people. Yeah, and so... You see this uh, explained to us very clearly through the words of Christ uh, to his apostles in Luke 24, uh, verse 27, and then 44 through 47, where he clearly says, uh, Moses and all the prophets were speaking about me, about my death, about my resurrection, and showing that he Mm. is not doing away with the Old Testament, but he's completing it. All the promises, all the gifts that God has promised to his people are now being realized in Christ. And this is how we read the scriptures, through this idea that Jesus puts forth. Here's how Jesus reads the scripture. Mm -hmm. All the prophets are about me. Yes. And he breaks that down on the road to Emmaus. And so we're free now. We look at all the prophets and and the, the scriptures and see that they're about Jesus. Yeah, so then looking at specific ways, especially concerning worship and the divine service on like how God gives us his good gifts, mm-hmm. we look at uh, how did Jesus fulfill specific things that were happening in the Old Testament um, and replace them. Like he's the better version. He's what they were talking about. So the first thing is as the temple, as mm-hmm. God's house. Right, so I've mentioned he is the presence of God, and you start to realize as you read the New Testament that Jesus is all about, he's all about the temple. Mm -hmm. He's not staying away from that place. If anyone knows that God is everywhere, you know, Jesus could go wherever he wanted. He he is the presence of God, but he goes to the place where God put his name, the place Mm -hmm. where God made known and was working. And so you see him as a baby being dedicated in the temple as a 12 year old he's in the temple again mm-hmm. um says this is my father's house as his parents leave they're like where were you he's like don't you know i'm about my father's business or, yeah. like i am where my father touches earth 
And so the temple is very important to him. And then, of course, throughout his ministry, he's always around it. He's celebrating um, all the feasts and the celebrations of the temple, <clears throat> around the temple. He's teaching there. I mean, he's, he's about it. Yeah. And then it's not until his last visit to the temple, mm-hmm. <clears throat> specifically in John's gospel, that uh, he then starts to shift the idea of it to this isn't just about the physical building anymore. This is now about me and how this is going to be destroyed, Mm -hmm. but God will raise it back up. And now he's shifting where the presence of God is located from a building to himself. Right. And so he replaces and fulfills the whole purpose of the temple. And he does say, I'm going to destroy it. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to raise up. He's going to be raised up. He's not going to bring back the stone physical yeah. temple. And now, wherever Jesus is, you can now worship God. Mm-hmm. So now we see the expansion of God's kingdom and God's presence moving from a specific place in Jerusalem to now wherever Jesus is present, that's where worship can happen. That's where we can receive God's gifts. So the temple had been the way to the Father, but now mm. it, it was Jesus. And yeah. so we gather around the Word made flesh who dwelt among us. So the temple about presence with God, Jesus now fulfills that. Mm-hmm. We have presence with God by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And that happens around the Word made flesh and dwelt among us, Jesus Christ. So his Word and sacrament. So then he not only uh, replaces and fulfills the the temple, but also the priesthood. Uh, so if you're familiar with the idea of Old Testament priests, they would enter into the Holy of Holies in the temple. They would offer up sacrifices for the people of God, but they would also have to offer up sacrifices for themselves because they were also sinners. However, Jesus, being the perfect son of God, no longer, he doesn't have to offer up a sacrifice for himself. He's perfect. He can freely enter into the real presence of God the Father uh, in heaven, not just on earth, without fear of judgment or death. And when he offers himself up as a sacrifice, he now cleanses us with his own blood, not with the blood of something else. And now we, as a new priesthood of believers through Christ now can enter into the Holy of Holies, the real presence of God without fear of judgment. Great. (laughs) That's good. I was just going to say from Hebrews, it breaks it all down how Christ is the better, the real, the more real Mm. and perfect eternal priest. Uh, So in Hebrews 10, we'll use that one. And every priest, 10 verse 11, and every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Mm-hmm. And so Christ not only is the priest who will never die, but he's also the sacrifice. Yeah. And so he becomes the lamb who was slain mm-hmm. for us which then allows us to enter into the presence of God to receive his gifts. Uh, The other way 
that Jesus fulfills a type in the Old Testament is Sabbath rest. Mm. And uh, this is where we get back to what God's relationship with his people was supposed to look like, where we were to walk with our God in the garden. We were to be in the presence of our God, receiving his good gifts and resting in them. That was like the rhythm, the original rhythm that God set up. And so when Jesus is walking on earth, he's leading people into back into Sabbath rest with their God. And so there's a lot of questions that the Pharisees fire at him or accusations really of breaking the Sabbath because he's doing all of these things that they were like, you're not supposed to heal or right. walk. You're not or... supposed to work on the Sabbath, but see, here's the key. Yeah. And this is key to our understanding. I don't know if I'm going to steal a thought from you, but... No, go for it. It's key to our understanding of divine services where God gives us his gifts. Mm-hmm. So when we worship, we're receiving the gifts of God and responding with thanksgiving, praise, and prayers. So when it comes to understanding the Sabbath, oh, Jesus broke the Sabbath. He's working. No, Jesus is bringing the gifts of his work on the day of rest mm-hmm. to us. So we receive his work. So when he plucks a grain of wheat or whatever, it's not he's not breaking the Sabbath. He's bringing the Sabbath because he is God. <clears throat> and he's working on our behalf for a day of rest. Yeah, so when he feeds, when he heals, when he proclaims, uh, he's serving us on mm. the Sabbath. Right. He's feeding us. He's healing us. He's declaring us forgiven. He's doing that. He's working on our behalf so that we can rest in him. Yeah, and so when we rest, we don't just, we talked about this before, you don't just rest from work because that's a nice principle, but you rest as you gather around the word Mm-hmm. of God like and that is giving it's not just you're not just sleeping or resting he's replacing he's regenerating and renewing and replenishing strength and life yeah he's establishing his kingdom here in the present and another way to think about this is false gods demand you to serve them <clears throat> the true God and Jesus serves us that's the humbling reality that the Pharisees and a lot of us struggle with because we're still under the the broken reign and rule of uh, the devil where we believe the lie that we should be <clears throat> serving a higher power. Um, this higher power should most definitely not be serving yeah, us. Yeah, within the kingdom of man, it's like we always have to justify ourselves and, and make effort for something. And so we lose our minds and can't differentiate between the kingdom of God and mm-hmm. how God is working and how we receive. And mm-hmm. so then, yes, we, can, we are free in the kingdom of man to love and serve, but, man, we are secure and safe by the work that Christ has done for us and we receive it. We're children. Mm-hmm. We're children, and children don't have to earn. Your daughter is a year and something. Yeah, She doesn't have to <clears throat> earn your love or do anything. All you want is for her to receive what you're giving. Yeah. And you love it. Yeah. Yeah. So those are like, uh, quick main ways on how Jesus fulfills things that happen in the old Testament. There's way more that we can't go into right now, but these are like the key ways, especially concerning the ideas of worship and what's happening when we gather around the word. Yes. And we, we hope this, 
kind of spurs your mind if you have more questions to look into it. There's there's a lot more to cover, um, and it's all in the book we're using. Um, but mm-hmm. it's really all driving us to the Word of God. That's where we get right everything. So in the Word, we look to the Word. So then, moving from how Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament to uh, how Jesus ministered to his disciples during his earthly ministry? How was he present and active? What, was, what were the types of ministry, what were the types of service that he was doing to his disciples? How was he serving them? And for me, the first one is Jesus was serving his word right. to his disciples. He, he was proclaiming the reality of God saying, you are now being recreated through me. So Jesus is doing the work that Israel had failed to do, Mm -hmm. is to testify to God, to uh, the people, God, and testify to the world. And so he is giving his word, he's giving his promises, he's teaching. So um, Jesus, as the fulfillment of the Old Testament, is now present and active among people, feeding them his word. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and we can kind of cruise through these. I yeah, think. yeah. So then I think, so then the other thing that Jesus did for his disciples and even for us is he would pray for them. Yeah. He, he frequently would pray for his disciples. Like Jesus, the son of God, prays for those who follow him. Right. On their behalf. Uh, this is He even prays for us in yes. that particular prayer. In John 17, he prays for all who would believe that Jesus sets up, he says, look, here's how life is with me mm-hmm. being present. It comes through word, <clears throat> through my preaching, through my word, written word that you gather around. And we respond, and he taught us even how to pray. He even gave us the words. Mm-hmm. Like a good father, he teaches us how to speak. And he gives us, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, the Lord's prayer. He teaches us how to pray. And you see Jesus constantly praying I remember years and years ago doing a sermon series on that because our idea of prayer is uh, is different. You know, it's like, oh, we pray when we really are in a tough spot <clears throat> or tra- yeah. pray to be good. Like there's something we need to get. And and so if we if we believe that, then why would Jesus ever be praying? Right, right. He has all power. He's the son of God. What does he need to pray for? And that's what he's revealing and giving to us, which is this access to a good father. It's the relational, like, hey, you have a God who can hear and see and mm-hmm. can care. And so we, here's how you pray. Yeah, and I, I do like the, the idea for me is that Jesus is talking to the Father about you. Yeah. No, I love it. He's absolutely representing us. Mm-hmm. He cares for all of us. He cares for you specifically, and he's, he's talking to the Father. And I always think about you. that, like, in, even in baptism where the world, the flesh, and the devil are exchanged in our baptism. The world is exchanged for the Word of God. Um, the flesh is exchanged for the Holy Spirit. And then we get the, um, instead of having the accuser, Satan, mm. we now have the intercessor, <clears throat> Jesus, on our behalf. Like yeah, This is, yeah. in our baptism, being brought into Father, mm-hmm. Son, and Holy Spirit. These benefits uh, now are given to us graciously. And I always love the fact that Jesus is speaking on our behalf to the Mm -hmm. Father. 
Yeah. And so we're coming in his name. So it's a great gift. And it's a place where, again, God is giving his gifts of presence through prayer. Yeah. Then he would always forgive sinners and eat with them. Right. That was a huge part of his ministry was forgiving sinners and eating with them. And this was a... uh, an integral part of ancient culture was eating with people and whoever you ate with, you were associated to them. So the type of people you ate with determined the type of person you were. And so when, the, when religious leaders would see Jesus eating with known sinners, um, they people would have get, been outcasts. Yeah. They've been kicked out of temple worship. They've known sinners. Yeah. It's they're, like, they're, like unclean. They're, they're traitors to their country. Um, they would get upset and they would see Jesus as being unclean or as um, validating their sin. Right. And what's happening though is the opposite is Jesus by eating with sinners, he's not validating their sin. He's, he's forgiving their sin. Right. And he's not becoming unclean. He's cleansing them. Right. He didn't. Yeah. He doesn't approve. He forgives. And his holiness rubs off. So it's like he can touch a leper. Mm-hmm. It's highly contagious. You will probably get it. But when Jesus Christ is on the earth, walking around, you can touch him and his life overpowers death. Yes. And so he eats, he identifies with us, he comes to us. And this is where you get ideas where Jesus says, look, I came to, for the sick, not the healthy. You know, yes. I came for those who will be ready in, in a repentant state because the thing Jesus knows is, look, here's what God's, God hears and mm-hmm. responds to every time. Repentance. Mm-hmm. God have mercy. When his people cry out, he hears, and he alone brings forgiveness. Yeah, and then uh, Jesus institutes the means of grace for us. Yeah. So this is where Jesus very clearly sets up a vehicle, a delivery system to how are you going to get uh, forgiveness, life, and salvation? How are you going to get these things from God? And Jesus then gives us very clear means on how to get these things, and they are. This is what's exciting. I mean, to me, this is what it's all building up to, understanding that our worship today is, is been set and mandated and the way has been paved by Jesus Christ to keep us in his presence. So he gives us the sacraments. He gives us his word and sacraments. Baptism, the preaching of the word, absolution, the forgiveness of sins, and the Lord's Supper. And these are what we call the means of grace. So the church is the delivery system that God has set up to Mm -hmm. deliver his good gifts to us. And his good gifts are baptism, his word, the Lord's Supper, forgiveness of sins, um, so it, it shouldn't be confusing what church is about, what the, when people gather around Christ and his word, we're receiving his good gifts. Yeah. So on his earthly ministry, he's, he's cleansing people. He's incorporating them back into the family of God. He's announcing the forgiveness of sins and salvation from the devil. Uh, he is, so this is, we're with, this is baptism, right? Yeah. This is baptism. Yeah. This is preaching. This is absolution. And then he's saying, now come and eat with me. That's the type of relationship I want to have with you is where you eat with your God. Yeah. And it all leads to 
Christ has cleansed you, he's clothed you, and now he shepherds you into the presence of God, Mm -hmm. the throne of God, Mm -hmm. where we eat the sacrifice together. So the Lamb of God was slain, his blood now has covered us, and now we get to eat. Like in the Old Testament, you'd eat the sacrifice after its blood has has covered the sin, Mm -hmm. and so now we eat together in fellowship with God. Right. I mean, this is the gift. This, these are the gifts of God. This is uh, what we're called to do. Yeah, so this is what Jesus was doing in his, in his earthly ministry when he was present, walking around, and then he then establishes on his ascension to heaven how this is going to continue. How are we going to continue to receive the gifts of Christ yeah. on earth? And he very clearly says, I'm giving you my apostles. I'm going to set apart ministers of the word to publicly uh, give you the gifts, serve you my gifts uh, as if they were me. Right. Uh, Empowers us with the Holy Spirit, which draws us to the word, empowers us, gifts us faith, and then uh, calls and ordains specific men to announce to announce uh and serve these good gifts as if they were christ himself yeah and this is uh we're not going to read it but this is very clearly found in ephesians 4 where christ is the gift giver and to continue giving his gifts he gives us apostles teachers preachers and prophets like that is he ordains men to do this for him on his behalf and so that's why in church when we are worshiping we have the preaching of God's word, we have baptism, we have absolution, and we have the Lord's Supper. These are the core things that Jesus is giving to us to give us forgiveness of sins, salvation from death and the devil, and life eternal. And then the re- are we in this service, we respond with praise, with the words that God has given us. The thing that I want to highlight here at the end is through the apostles, through the church, mm-hmm. which might look mundane, it might look like nothing's happening. It always yeah. looks that way in a corrupt world. Yes. We, we always look like we're losing. Yes. But the reality is God breaks through the boundary between heaven and earth. He breaks it where people are gathered around his word and sacrament. So where the church is happening, Christ is present through his, his ordained ministers ministers Mm -hmm. we are brought into fellowship now and it's by faith Mm -hmm. i mean it's through faith right now but with the full assurance of god's word and sacraments and uh the people that he set apart to do it we this is the closest i mean this is where heaven and earth touch because we're gathered around the same resurrected and exalted jesus christ with all those who've already died and us on earth we are gathered around him and heaven touches earth and so this is why the divine service is so important and such a great gift to us. It connects, it anchors, it assures, and uh, it feeds, it clothes, it cleanses. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's fulfilling the the section of the Lord's Prayer where it says, uh, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Is Heaven is breaking through in the divine service, and God's kingdom is being made known to us and revealed to us here on earth in the present. And when we partake of the Lord's Supper, it's a small, it's a small uh, representation of our future and certain feast mm-hmm. with God. 
Yeah, our songs might be small in our congregations, but we are singing with all the hosts of heaven. Yeah. And we'll be, lead, we'll be ushered and uh, shepherded into that by the same Christ who meets with us now. All right. Yeah. Okay, well. So that's, that's it for today. Uh, basically, Jesus is fulfilling all the promises God gave in the Old Testament. He was giving uh, his word, prayer, forgiveness, eating, and sacraments during his earthly ministry, and he continues to give us those things through his apostles, through his ministers. Right. And I think what's important is to say, look, God has given us these things as gifts. Mm-hmm. So instead of trying to find a way around, do we have to, we have to worship? Do we have to go to church? What are these mm-hmm. things? These aren't man-made. They're God-given gifts yes. that have uh, been passed down faithfully for 2,000 years. And even before that, in the Old Testament, it's connected. It's miraculous. It's beautiful. So um, you're part of something bigger than yourself when we gather around word and sacrament in the divine service. Yeah, you're part of the recreation of all things. And it started now. And so all the church says, come Come Lord Lord Jesus. Jesus. All right. Thanks for listening today. We'll talk to you next time.